Well, good morning, folks. Uh, it's great to be with you uh, here again. I uh, love coming to New Horizon. I uh, actually didn't get to be here this year. I was on a YFC uh, summer camp, so I've literally arrived up this morning. But from what I've heard, uh, it's been a great week and a really encouraging week, thinking about how we can be rad- radically hospitable. I'm going to get us to do a bit of work together this morning. Um, so as part of that, I just want to give you an opportunity to meet the people beside you in case you haven't done that already. So because we're thinking about hospitality, okay, I want you to turn to the person beside you if you don't know them and just share something of who you are, maybe your name, and an experience you had whenever either you received per hospitality, but it also might be more funny if you have a, a story that you could share where actually you were meant to be the person giving the hospitality and something went wrong. So just take a couple of minutes to do that, which means that later on as we work together that you've actually met each other. So let's do that for, for two, three minutes. Okay, folks. Okay, we've turned, the, we've turned the volume up slightly. Uh, people at the back who couldn't hear uh, the first part, can you now all hear now? Just give me a wee thumbs up if you can hear at the back. Brilliant. Perfect. Okay, that's really encouraging and how you have done that with one another because that bodes well as we, as we learn and discuss things together this morning. Um, the guys at the front said, do, do you have a story? Uh, and I said, yes, I do. Um, and... Uh, one of the, usually some of the stories that people tell about me involve me falling asleep. Um, and usually involve me falling asleep in the presence of people who you're not meant to fall. Like you're meant to fall asleep in your own bed whenever you're going to bed and not in public company. Um, but some of my friends have a habit of staying very late. Uh, and there was one evening that I was hosting just a few lads just to watch a movie. Uh, and it got really, really late in the morning. It must have been probably something like half 11 at night and I started to get really tired. Um, and you still need it up a wee bit more? Not that loud? Is that better? Okay. Just keep on giving me thumbs if you need me to change, okay? Um, so I was hosting this movie night, and it was, it was more like half past one, two o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I went to sort a couple of things out, move some dishes, because I needed to do something to try and wake up, because I was going to fall asleep in the middle of this movie. And then I don't know why, because none, none of you will think this is an acceptable thing to do. That's my prediction, okay? For some reason, I decided that I was that tired that I was just going to go to bed, and those boys could let themselves out whenever the movie ended and they kind of looked at me with two faces uh, two heads and going are you, are you serious and then I disappeared again and I was just washing the dishes I didn't come back and then proceeding for the next couple of years I have got tons of abuse because that's what I did whenever I was hosting movie night see hospitality is really really important um, and I heard this quote that hospitality is whenever we satisfy the needs of the guest, whereas entertaining is whenever we satisfy the needs of ourselves. Hospitality is really, really important, and it involves us thinking about the people that we are engaging with. And this morning, if you've come here, you've probably read the blurb, you're probably already engaged in thinking about how you are being Jesus and how you are sharing the gospel to the friends and in the spaces that you find yourself. But I wonder how engaged you are. I wonder whenever it gets difficult, what do you do? I wonder how much it has to get difficult before we leave opportunities, before we jump out the side and go, no, I'll leave that one pass. 
Because depending on how sold out we are for the gospel is how much we will put ourselves into these uncomfortable environments where we are putting the needs of the guests, the needs of other people, in front of our own needs and in front of how uncomfortable we feel. And actually, whenever that happens, it changes the dynamic of the relationship that we have with these people. If you were here at the start of the week, uh, you would have heard Rosario Butterfield. Now, I wasn't here to hear her, but I've read and listened to some of her stuff. One of the things that I was challenged by as she tells her story is that whenever, whenever she was engaged by the minister and, and his wife and their friends, something was different about the way that he engaged with her. He was gentle. He was compassionate. He wanted to talk to her. He wanted to get to know her. He did things differently. Whenever he had her round for dinner, he didn't do what she called the things that Christians should always do whenever they invite non-Christians round for a meal. He didn't tell her the gospel, and he didn't invite her to church. And those two things really struck her as, this is different, this is not normal, this is not an interaction that I am used to. She began her journey of an exploration into faith with Ken and his wife. And it got to a point whenever she was on that journey and things got really difficult and uncomfortable for her and she wanted to leave it all behind. She wanted to just forget about this, forget about Jesus, forget about the Bible, forget about God and just go back to the life that she knew. But there was a problem. She couldn't get rid of Ken and his wife because they were her friends. They were real, true friends, and now they had a relationship which wasn't as easily severed and left behind as what she thought she could do with the Bible, with Jesus, and with the church. That kept her in, that kept her going on this journey to ultimately where she is now. You see, doing things differently, engaging with people differently, it's my argument to you this morning that for us to do things differently, we need to burst the Christian bubble. Hospitality without boundaries, our boundary for us in, in a Northern Irish society or even further afield, it's very easy for us to become part of this Christian bubble where we enjoy hanging out with people like ourselves, who agree with us, who say the same sorts of things, we get on better with one another. But if we want to be serious about our faith, we want to be serious about sharing our faith, We need to get rid of these boundaries and burst the Christian bubble. But one size doesn't fit all. It's not going to be the same for all of us, which is why we have to have a a chance to talk together and think about it. But it's also why we're going to look at God's word and see how he did it. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, we're in John chapter 4, and we're looking at the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. John chapter 4. Many of you probably know this story. You've probably heard it lots of times. It's it's an amazing story. Whenever Jesus is tired, he's really quite exhausted. It's kind of a lay. And he sent the disciples off and they're doing some work. And he is going. It's the middle of the day. And he's at the well. And this Samaritan woman comes by herself to draw water from the well. Jesus engages her and he says, can you give me some water? She responds to him 
And this amazing story unfolds uh, where we see this interaction where Jesus just changes how he does things. And what I want to do is I want to give you a chance just in twos or threes um, where you are. Twos or threes where you are. Just to read that story together in John chapter 4. And think about the ways that Jesus is maybe being these three words. Okay? How is he being intentional? How is he being invitational? And how is he investing himself in this woman, in this interaction? Okay? So we're in John chapter 4. Just, if you want to do it in twos, if you want to do it by yourself, that's okay. I'm not going to force you to do it with somebody. But if you feel comfortable with the people around you, just have a wee look at the passage in John chapter 4. I didn't expect this many people. I do have some Bibles up here. If anybody would like one, if you can stick your hand up, I will come and give you one. Um, But hopefully we have it on our phones or a physical copy with us. So John chapter 4, the story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. And just take, um, I'm going to give you about, six or seven minutes to think about how Jesus is being intentional, how he is being invitational, and how he is investing himself in this interaction. Give me a wee nod if that makes sense. Happy enough? Brilliant. Anybody want a wee Bible? Okay, folks. Thank you for doing that. It was really helpful actually to walk around and be able to hear those conversations happening. Now, because this is getting recorded, it's actually quite difficult for me to do feedback uh, in the way that some of you have had me at CU will, will know that I do. Um, but just give me, give me a show of hands if whenever you were reading that passage, whenever you were talking through, that actually you could see how Jesus was being intentional in this interaction. Okay. And could you see the places that he was being invitational? Only one hand there for that one. Okay. Can we see where he was in, invitational? Okay. Could you see how he was invested in this woman's life? Yeah, okay. Those things, just ju- whenever we start to, to look at them in that way, you might not have those jumped out to you, but whenever I've put those words to you, you can read that passage and you can see how Jesus is fully intentional. He's really, really tired. He's been busy, but yet he puts himself in that environment because he knows that that interaction is coming for him. He's intentional in how he leads the conversation forward and where he is taking it. He knows, his, he knows her story. He knows what you need, and he's intentional about going that there. He's also invitational. I asked, I asked uh, one of the people at the side here, just why, why, how is he being invitational? And what she said was, well, he offers her water after being cheeky and actually asking her for water in the first place. Because he, he is invitational. He invites her into an interaction where he knows exactly where he is going with it and how it is meeting the needs that she fundamentally has. What's the clue to us that he is invested in her life and invested in this interaction, invested in what he wants to see happen? Anybody want to volunteer and share something for us? He stays for two days afterwards. He stays for two days and actually he knows her. He, oh, he's Jesus, so he knows, but he knows her story and he's able to show her that he knows it as well. He's invested in her life. If we think about that in terms of our interaction, we don't have the powers that Jesus has that if we were to meet somebody at a well that we would know that. That's why we have the hard work of actually investing ourselves in somebody's life to get to know them, to know their story and know where their story meets God's story and where his grace is relevant into their lives. 
Jesus is invitational, he's invested, and he's intentional in those interactions. But what's that got to do with bursting the Christian bubble? You see, sometimes we think, whenever we we turn and look at Jesus in the scriptures, I think it's easy, I find it easy myself, to just give up and go, well, that's Jesus. He can do that. But that's not the same as me. And that's why I think sometimes out of fear, out of nervousness, out of maybe feelings of inadequacy and a desire for safety, desire for comfort, that we turn inward as Christians, as churches, as communities, and we don't put ourselves in those interactions, put ourselves in the places that Jesus put himself. If we think about how we respond to culture, you might have seen these four Fs, and I appreciate at the back you probably can't necessarily see that from that distance, but the ways that we can respond to culture with four Fs could be that we, we, fl- we fight okay, with what we see as changing, we flight, which means we flee from it, we run from it. We fold, which basically means if you imagine in cards, you just give up. You let it wash over you and you give in to the change that is coming. And the key for us is we need to try and figure out as culture changes and it comes in on us, how do we flourish in those environments? How do we make sure that we're not just fighting, we're not fleeing and we're not folding in the face of it? What I want to suggest to you this morning is actually, rather than thinking about engaging with culture with those four words, because basically, if you think about it as those four words, you're trying to avoid three and pick one, and then the next question is, well, how do I flourish? So I think we should think about it in terms of these four R's. So we think about our culture, and we need to think about the things that we need to reject. We need to think about the things that are actually there that God can redeem and use them for his glory and for his purposes. Things that we can receive that actually, they may be developments of modern culture and modern society, but actually if we look at it and we think, okay, I hold a biblical worldview and this is this new thing coming along, but actually, you know what, I can get on board with that. I can live my Christian life in that environment and I can share Jesus there. And there are things and opportunities whenever God will give you the grace to be involved and whenever he is reaping people from our culture and still calling people to a saving faith in him. So what do those, those words mean? Well, if we think about them generally, maybe you're thinking, you've already got, well, I know the sort of things that we need to reject in our culture. But let me just give you an example. We've seen over recent times the completely re, complete redefinition of what truth means. There's no such thing as truth anymore. It's not the value that it once was. But for us as Christians, if we hold a biblical world, if we trust God's word, we can't accept that assault on truth. We can't accept that change. We need to reject that and say, no, I hold myself to a biblical standard and there is an ultimate truth. And God tells me and shows me what it is. There are things that we can redeem as well, And those are things that God can use for his glory. They might not be obvious to us at the start as to how he can use that. For myself, I, I play rugby. I play rugby um, for a team called Cook in Belfast. And if you know anything about uh, rugby culture, rugby sport, you could probably look at that environment and say, Johnny, how could, you, how could you go into that? How could you be a Christian there? How could you be friends with those sorts of people? How do you do that? But there's opportunities by God's strength for us to go into those places and redeem them for God's glory. 
There's different things that we can receive as well. Who enjoys a good cup of coffee? It's amazing that we live in a generation where the coffee culture is so amazing and we actually have the ability to go out and enjoy coffee as well. And you've probably seen our churches and communities change because of that. Lots of our churches are changing the way they're designed, changing how we do our services in order to have coffee and tea and those interactions. Because people want to have these social times. We've brought this coffee culture into our churches. The coffee was right behind me after the, after the morning Bible talk this morning because people want that time of interaction. Are there things in our culture that are happening that we can take and say, yes, God, you can use that for your glory and we're going to bring that into how we do church. And as I said, God is still reaping from the culture. Let's join these ideas together for a moment. I want to press into one of these R's. It's the reject R. So I want you to go back into those wee groups. I want you to take a second look at the story of Jesus and the woman in Samaria. And I want you to look and see what is Jesus rejecting from the culture that he is in. Now this might not be as apparent from the text. You might need to talk a little bit with the people beside you. See what people know about the culture of that time. What do they know about the culture around women? What do they know about the culture around the people of Samaria and Jesus being a Jew, Jesus being a rabbi? The fact that it was midday, 12 o'clock, that she had not five, not six, she had five, five husbands and the guy that she was with at the moment wasn't her husband. What would the culture have said about all of those things? And what is Jesus doing as he interacts with her? We thought about how he was intentional, invitational, and invested in her. But what is he rejecting from the culture of that time as he does that? Okay? Give me a wee nod if that makes sense. Okay? I'll walk around. If you want to, just grab me, and we'll have a wee chat about it. Okay? So what is Jesus rejecting as he is, as he is engaging this woman? Okay? Brilliant. I'm just really encouraged to see how much you guys are talking about those things. Hopefully you are all talking about those things. Uh, Let's try the feedback this time, and if I can, I will repeat what you guys have have said, if you're brave enough to shout them out so that the recording can catch them. So what, in the process of this interaction, as Jesus is being all those things that we talked about at the start, how is he rejecting some of the things of the culture of that time? So if anybody's brave enough to shout out, I repeat it for us all. Rejecting racism. How is he rejecting the racism there? So the Jews despised despised the Samaritans, and he's rejecting that idea. He's rejecting that actually, hang on, you're not allowed to say that I can't interact with this person because they are of a different type than me. Yes, he's rejecting that. What else is he rejecting? Brilliant, yes. So all the women would have gone early morning to the wedding, and that would have been a very social occasion uh, for that to happen. And the fact that she's alone, he's rejecting that, that, uh, that she shouldn't be alone, and he is interacting with her there. That's brilliant. Yes, thank you very much. What else is he rejecting? Stereotype?
brilliant. So I'll try and repeat that for everybody. So he's rejecting the stereotype of her social situation. So the fact that she was had had the her marriages in the past, and the, he's rejecting that he shouldn't be talking to her because of that. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, that's brilliant. Exactly. Any spot? Yeah. Okay. Let me see if I've heard that because I've got a voice coming from over here. So he's rejecting the cultural boundaries that have been set up that tell, tell, tell those people where they should worship. He provides a solution. He does. Yeah, he rejects that. Thank you so much for that. Brilliant, yeah. I won't do that justice. Would you mind repeating that so everybody can hear it? <laughs> or do you want me to have a go at it? Brilliant. Okay, so in... Oh, I'm not that tall, look. In verse... Um, da, da, where is that verse? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. So Jesus hadn't ate. Um, and in verse um, in verse 8, 9, the disciples had went away to the city to get food. But verse 6 says, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus wearied. Um, and whenever I looked up the actual references of wearied in the ESV Bible, the other references that it came to was um, in John chapter 19, which is actually um, the, the death of Jesus whenever they're dying and he's weary and they actually, um, he's really weary and he's saying he's thirsting. Um, and the other references which it comes to is like the temptation of Jesus and Whenever there was a storm, he uses the same word of them being weary. So actually his weariness was quite extreme, but he actually refuses the human need to eat um, in care and in love of this woman. Thank you very much. Uh, Folks, that's why we do this. That's why we learn together because actually we, we learn from each other. Um, so yes, Jesus is rejecting that human need in his life and putting this person's needs. He's also teaching the disciples something very important at that point. Anybody spot anything else that Jesus is rejecting at that time? So he rejects her denial and demands demands honesty. Yes, he does. And that's actually one of the things. In, in the demanding honesty, he's not actually... He, he, in the, while he is rejecting the stereotype and rejecting that he can't talk to this woman, he's not actually dismissing what is the reality of her story at the same time. I was talking to a gentleman um, down on the right-hand side there, and he was saying that actually one of the things he also rejects is he also rejects the sin in her life as well. Even all those things that he rejects in order to include her, in order to bring her in, he doesn't then um, steer clear. He rejects the sin in her life and tells her to go away and to sin no more. Any other rejections that people spotted? Yes, sir? 
So he's rejecting how they're worshipping and the, the ignorance on that side. Yeah, so he's, uh, we're sort of supposed to be covering that as well. But that's that, that idea that there is actually something to be dealt with here. The really interesting thing that I find about that is that not only should Jesus, in, that, in terms of that culture, he shouldn't have been talking to a woman. He shouldn't have been talking to a woman like that. And he shouldn't have been talking to a woman like that about the things that he was talking to her about. All of those things he says, no, this is her need. This is where she's at. This is where I'm at. My story and her story are coming together here. And we need to meet in this point so God can come into this place and challenge her heart and her life. Anybody spot anything else for us? Yeah, that's a better way of saying that. Yeah, he rejects the idea that he shouldn't talk theology with her. Jesus is he's taking down all of these boundaries that the culture and society is putting into place because he is meeting with this person. What is he doing? He's being intentional, he's being invitational, and he's investing in her life. And he's saying, all these things that you guys have set up, all these boundaries, they are not real in this environment, and they are not as important as this person is and their need to know God. Their need to be in relationship with him. Jesus, is a, Jesus, for everybody else who would have been possibly seen like him as a rabbi, he was putting himself in a dangerous situation. People would have talked about him, potentially for what he was doing in that environment. Because he was hanging out with those people. But we know that Jesus doesn't value that as much as he values those individuals. We know that he was called the friend of sinners. That he was... And found in their company because that's where he was needed. Anybody anything else they want to say? Yeah. Rejects the criticism. Sorry? Okay. Yep. He wasn't worried about his reputation. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. Uh, and I, I, can, I suppose I, I journey with you on that to whenever we think, was Jesus worried about his reputation? And the one thing that I might push back on a little bit there is that actually it's not so much that he wasn't worried about it, but he needed to challenge what was going on in that environment. He needed to say that the reputation that you guys want to have as people who are teachers, is not the reputation that you should be having. And I am modeling for you how you meet the needs of the people and how you share God's truth with them. Yeah. Jesus models um, how he engages in this culture with those things that he rejects. He also receives from her. And all those, th- all those things that we talked about that he's rejecting, he's actually also receiving from her personally which is an amazing thing for that woman in that interaction, whenever she is ostracized from society, whenever she's not included, all those things that we talked about, but he is receiving from her. He puts himself at, I'm in need of you. Can you give me some water? One of the most basic needs that we have, he receives from her. And he redeems the situation. Isn't it amazing that that is probably one of our basic human needs and Jesus uses that need for water 
to completely transform somebody's life and introduce, introduce them to the truth of the relationship that they can have with the living God and a thirst that will never come back again. Ultimately, she becomes part of God's family and she goes back and she, as we've heard about earlier on, she just stays in that space because she goes and she tells all the people. She becomes a missionary to those Samaritan people and they come and they talk to Jesus as well. And something catalytic happens at that point when Jesus has met her at the well. Now, Jesus' approach is not a one-size-fits-all approach. If you look at me, you can tell that there's probably times whenever I've had problems with things that don't fit. And I was in Barry's. Anybody been at Barry's this week? Yeah, okay. I was at Barry's, and I uh, got on to, to one of the roller coastery sort of things. I don't really know what they're called. And the guy came around to push down the shoulder thingies, right? And he pushed them down, and it wouldn't go past here because it was on my shoulder. I was just quite glad it wasn't pushing on my belly. Uh, but it came down on my shoulder, and I, he couldn't get it to click. And he was properly forcing it down. I was like, I can't breathe anymore. Um, but he couldn't get it to, to click where it was meant to. And he did something else, and he went, oh, sure, that'll be fine. And I went, no, <laughs> no it will not. <laughs> Take that off. I'm getting off. You guys can do it. I, I didn't even want to do it in the first place, so I'm happy enough. But the truth is that we all know that one size never fits all. And that's the same whenever we're coming to sharing our faith and sharing the life that we have in Jesus. I'm not expecting you guys to come to this this morning and for you to be able to go out and you have automatically figured out how you share Jesus with your friends, with your family, with your neighbours, with people on your sports teams, with people in your classes, people you live with in halls. I'm not expecting that because I can't deliver it, because there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to this. It's also not how Jesus engaged with people. He engaged with the woman at the well differently than he did with everybody else in the Gospels. We see Jesus, even whenever he was healing uh, healing people, in a story in, in Luke, he heals, he heals two people in the same story. He heals Jairus, his daughter. And he hears the woman who has been sick and bleeding for a long time. Are you familiar with that story? Yeah. In that interaction, Jairus comes and says, my, my daughter is, is, is sick and needs you to come, Jesus. And Jesus starts going and the crowd starts following. And everybody's pushing in around him. If you, like, if you know what it's like to be coming through that tunnel, everybody's pushing in around you. And then Jesus says, stop, stop. somebody has touched me. And the disciples are thinking, Jesus, you're crazy here. Like... Everybody is touching you. But he's like, no, no, somebody touched my cloak and the power went out of me. And Jesus is not prepared to keep on going from that moment without addressing the fact this woman who had been unclean, again, unaccepted by society, he brings her out. He gives her that public need of acceptance. Yes, she needed healing. Her faith had healed her. But also she needed, the accept, she needed to be shown to be clean and to be healed. And Jesus gives her that. The next thing that happens is he's told that Jairus' daughter is dead. He's told it's too late. And he dismisses those claims. But he doesn't allow the crowd to go with him. He goes by himself with family and with a couple of disciples into that environment. He says she's only sleeping. But he raises her back to life. He raises her back to life in private. 
Because what she needed in that environment, yes, was healing. But she didn't need to become the girl who'd been raised back to life in front of these crowds. This woman needed her healing to be public, to be accepted. And the child needed the healing to be private because Jesus was doing more and he was treating those people how they needed to be treated in those interactions. We need to get alongside the people that we want to share Jesus with, whether they be our friends or our family, and we need to get to know who they are and figure out how to bring Jesus into that environment. Jesus, as he is on the road to Emmaus, is walking with two individuals. They don't know who he is. It's after the resurrection. He's walking with them, and as he walks with them, as they talk, as they share stories... Jesus reveals truth to them. The truth of what has happened, what they have witnessed, what they have been part of. And ultimately he then reveals himself to them at the end. What I want to leave with you is just this phrase. And it's the phrase that comes, I suppose, with, a, with an offer as well. And the phrase is this, walk with me, share stories, and uncover the truth. Okay? It's not a biblical phrase, it's not part of a verse, I've made it up. The reason I've made it up is I want you to leave it with you, so that maybe as you're going about this the rest of the day further on, that it'll come back into your mind as a way that we need to be Jesus to those around us. Walk with me, share stories, and uncover the truth. The reason it's those three things is that I have three things that I haven't produced I've wrecked it, don't worry. Um, You can remember it. One of them is this. It's Walk With Me. It's a new resource which has been developed by a partnership with youth organizations. It's an app that you get on your phone. There are six different journeys on it for you to engage with people, whether they have no faith or whether they have started exploring faith. I have... 500 of these cards because they came in a pack of 500. So if you want one of these cards to see what it is and explore it, the idea is that you can sit down with your friend, with somebody from your family. It is pitched at young people, but I've had a look at it and I'm planning to use it with one of my friends who's in his 30s. You set the phone down in between you. You answer the questions that stimulates around faith, around life, and brings you to the Bible. So if you want one of these, please come and get one. And I'll make sure that they're left with the CUI stand if anybody wants to get them after us. It's Walk With Me. It's a Walk With Me resource that you can get on your phone. The second part was share stories. And in terms of sharing stories, there's another thing that I can offer you if you're you're representing a church or a youth group. It's this idea of three stories okay it's run by youth for christ and it's the idea you may have heard me dropping it in as i've been as i've been talking this morning about your story god's story and their story it's a training resource that helps us think about how do we as we meet with people as we talk with people how do we help them understand our story how do we help them understand their own story and how do we connect those with god's story for their lives so walk with me, share stories, and uncover the truth. Okay? <laughs> that was not meant for effect. Um, uncover, uncover is the last resource, uh, which I think the CUI stand have, have everybody's gone, have they? Haven't they? 
almost. I have I have a handful here, and a couple of them are out, which I'll give to Chris. And if you really really want one, I'm sure we can get you one. Uncover is a what's called a seeker sensitive Bible study. What that means is that it doesn't really look like a Bible. Um, and that it only contains John's Gospel, and it contains, again, questions that people can use as you lead somebody in a Bible study and help them explore the Scriptures. If you're a student, you maybe have heard, the, heard of this before, and can we encourage you? This is a brilliant resource for you guys to be able to use in your halls, or as you take people out for coffee, you get to read the Bible one-on-one with your friends. Amazing things happen whenever we read God's Word. It is the power that we have. We have no power of our own. We have no skill of our own. We need God's Word and His Spirit to impact our friends and our families, our classmates, our sportsmates, whoever we want to see come to know Jesus. Get God's word into their hands, pray for them, love them, become intentional, become invested, and invite them to come and know Jesus. Folks, I have like two minutes. If anybody wants any qu- to ask any questions, um, you can do so, or I will hang about and you can chat to me afterwards. Any questions at this point? Right, I hope that's helpful, and I'll be praying for you as you take this and share it with your friends. Thanks very much.